स्थापकाय धर्मस्वरूपिने अवतार वरिष्ठाय रामकृष्णाये नम वसुदेवसुत कंसचानूरमर्दनम देवकी परमानंदम कृष्णं वंदे जगद्गुरु So in the last class we were studying the fifty-sixth sloka, the fifty-sixth verse of the second chapter of Srimad Bhagavad Gita. Its answer to the Arjuna's question as to the conduct of one of steady wisdom, the one who is sthita pragya, the one who is established in wisdom. What's his way of conduct? In the fifty-fifth. Sloka, Bhagavan described the one who is immersed, the sthita pragya, who is immersed in samadhi. So, what's the, the characteristics that describes the state of one who is immersed in samadhi? And the fifth, from the fifty-sixth sloka onwards, Bhagavan is going to describe. the one who is in samadhi when he comes down from the state of samadhi then he interacts with the world so what's his conduct how he sits how he talks how he moves around so all those questions arjuna asked so from the 56th as in the last class we saw that the conduct of a man of steady wisdom in gist was described by bhagwan krishna so we before we proceed we just have a short recapitulation of that sloka what is that sloka dukheshvanudvignamana sukheshu vigatas priyah vitaraga bhayakrodha sthitadhir muniruchyate dukheshu anudvignamanaha the one who is not perturbed by adversity Sukheshu vigata spriyaha. So, who does not long for happiness, yearn for happiness? So, it's not that when happiness is in life, he runs away from it. It's okay, but he doesn't seek it, trying to always get some uh, opportunity to have some enjoyment. So that yearning has fallen off. so he has no longing for happiness sukheshu vigatas priya vita raga bhaya krodha so raga means attachment bhaya fear krodha anger so one for whom attachment fear and anger has become vita means past so that means one who is free from attachment fear and anger 
such a person he has to be muni mananshila sthitadhir muni ruchyate it's only a person who is contemplative can attain this state and when he has attained its state he is being termed as a person of steady wisdom so he is not perturbed by adversity who does not yearn for long for happiness who is free from attachment fear anger so he is called a muni of steady wisdom a contemplative person who has a steady wisdom so to understand this shloka in the last class we resorted to the idea of pancha klesha as has been enunciated in yoga and sankhya philosophy so there are the five afflictions which afflicts us in our life the cause of all the afflictions is avidya ignorance what is the ignorance that somehow we forgot our real nature that i am that pure conscious principle eternal without any wants i am always in my pure innate state ever blissful but somehow i got identified because of ignorance with the flow called body mind complex this psychophysical existence where the self is as if being reflected and i take the reflection to be real and i identify myself with that reflection so this because of ignorance because of avidya this identification of the self with the psychophysical existence is is, is results in asmita the ego develops from there the sense of this me and mine so this develops because of that ignorance from that comes raga dvesha abhinivesha the last three afflictions raga means attachment dvesha hatred abhinivesha is it's too much clinging to life creates a fear of death so this again we find that how it comes the moment i get identified with the psychophysical existence i want to enjoy the eternity in the psychophysical existence which is never possible but this eternal yearning to enjoy the eternity in the psychophysical existence where the self has been reflected as a smita results in raga that whatever is favorable for my psychophysical existence for its existence i am drawn towards it i am attached towards it as a raga whatever is not favorable for it i respond to it in the form of fight and flight response i try to get rid of it that speaks of all my dvesha my hatred for the things which is not favorable for my psychophysical existence and some of the detrimental factors for my limited existence is too powerful i cannot get rid of them i myself have to run away from them that speaks of abhinivesha so raga is attachment now from dvesha arise all anger so in as in a primitive society 
if I have for my own sustenance have gathered some food and someone comes and wants to steal it away from me. So naturally it is a detrimental factor for my existence. I have gathered the food, someone comes and tries to snatch it away from me. So I develop a hatred which finds expression as rage, anger, krodha. So from dvesha comes krodha. And if the one who is going to snatch away the food from me, I know is extremely powerful, or maybe it is the predator. I am in danger. I may not be able to cope up with that person or with that predator. What I do, I run away from it out of fear. So abhinivesha, too much clinging to life, results in bhaya. So now in this sloka, we find the phrase which comes in the second line, Vita Raga Bhaya Krodha. Raga is that, uh, understood. After that comes Bhaya. Bhaya is because of Abhinivesha. Krodha because of Dvesha. Which again is because of all these three are again because of the Asmita. That my limited sense of individuality which again is caused by avidya, ignorance. So who is Thitadhir? Whose wisdom, wisdom is established and he's equipoised? The one for whom the avidya has vanished. Avidya has fallen off. It has obliterated. When the avidya gets obliterated, naturally, it's evolute. Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha is bound to be annihilated. If not fully annihilated at the beginning, we find it is attenuated and at last to be annihilated altogether. So as Raga, Dvesha, Abhinivesha gets attenuated to be obliterated altogether in the due course, naturally this Raga, Bhaya, Krodha and Bhaya that also has to obliterate. Because once I get established in myself, what can make me fear? As Swami Vivekananda used to say, the story of a realized soul who is to stay in a forest on the opposite bank of the Ganges, of the river, there's a village. On one side is a village, on the other side it was a deep forest. And the sage used to stay in that forest if anyone by chance went to meet him, he will find he is in deep contemplation and within himself he is constantly chanting, Soham, Soham. I am that, I am that. Being established as he is a Muni, he is deeply contemplative. In his contemplation, that realization has dawned, the ignorance has fallen off, that he is one with the self. He is the Atman, he is the Brahman. So that so he's so hum, so hum is chanting. And even from the opposite bank of the river, the chant could be heard, when, especially when there was no noise, when the village has calmed down at night and other times, they could hear the chant coming from the other side of the river. And one day it so happened, the lion attacked that sage. And it 
caught hold of him and started dragging him deep inside the forest. So the villagers knew that he is going to be killed, he is going to be devoured. But the most astonishing thing is, till the last moment, the lion took was dragging him deep inside the forest, till his breath his last. They found that he could never be in any way deviated from his contemplation, distracted from his contemplation, deviated from his conviction. The chant could still be heard by the villagers. Soham, soham. Till the last breath, the chant was going on. That speaks of Vita, Raga, Bhaya, Krodha. So all the Dvesha, as he is established in the self, there is no question of anger. When Swami Vivekananda uh, was with Pavari Baba of Ghazipur, a realized soul, he used to relate, Swamiji used to relate a very wonderful incident in the life of Pavari Baba that a thief came to steal from his kutia. So he has stolen some. Uh, what you say, this utensils, and he was running. He was running away, and when suddenly Pavari Baba noticed him. And it is Pavari Baba who started chasing him. And at last, when he was caught, the thief thought most probably that this Pavari Baba is very angry. And he's going to give him to the police, or maybe he's going to be humiliated. But just the opposite. He told that, that uh, you have actually left out a few of the things. Was, so you may need it. So please take this also. When the dog used to come and snatch away the uh, bread, he will also run after him to not to take away, not to just uh, hit the dog, to give the, uh, uh, the remaining portion which was left out. In the gospel, there is a story that in, during the time of mutiny, a sage was very badly injured, very badly beaten by the soldiers. The soldiers came and has this very badly tortured the sage and the sage was almost on the verge of death. He collapsed and by the time the soldiers has already left, the villagers came in. They had a huge respect for this sage sent. So when they came already, he was almost bitten to death. He was about to breathe his last. last. When his villagers were extremely angry that how come? That such a person who is in no way harmful to anyone, who is always at peace with himself, that such a person should be in any way disturbed, should be uh, uh, beaten. And so they asked, just let us know who did it. We will take the revenge. If needed, we will go and just go and attack those soldiers. We want that revenge. Because they had tremendous respect for that sage. And he asked, they, all the villagers asked, just let me know that who did it. And 
as the sage was about to breathe his last, a, one of the villagers was feeding him some water, liquid. He was to quench his thirst. He was feeling thirsty. He was quenching his thirst. And this sage replied, what is replied? The one who is at present feeding me the water is nourishing, is just pouring water in my throat. It is the same one who has bitten me. So what's the idea? He's as he's established in the self and he sees the same self in everyone. So he has reached the state of that non-duality. That the same existence is there everywhere. When anything good happens to me, that also comes from the Lord. When anything bad happens to me, that also is from the Lord. The Lord alone has become the universe. So, kako nindo, kako, kako pujo, kako nando, nindo dono pallabhari. So, this is both, both the, this, anything good, anything bad, whatever happens, everything is because of the Lord. So all the anger has fallen off as he is established in the self. All anger has fallen off. All attachment has fallen off. Well, whom to attach? Because he is established in the self, which is ever blissful. Nothing is, he needs nothing. He is beyond all wants. He is beyond all fear. We are all anger. So such a person, how can they, he be perturbed by dukkha? Because from all the obsession, raga, the yearning for happiness comes. And from all krodha and bhaya, which are the product of dvesha and abhinivesha, results in dukkha, suffering. So one from whom the raga, krodha, bhaya, this obsession, anger, and fear that has fallen off. There cannot be any cause for suffering. So he has gone beyond Dukkha. So he's not perturbed by any adversity. He doesn't yearn for any happiness, doesn't long for happiness. Sukheshu Vigata Spriha. How is it possible? Because he's Vita Raga Bhaya Krodha. For whom it is possible? The one who is Thitadhi, who is established in his self. How is it possible? By becoming Muni by contemplative, by constantly contemplating on the real nature. And such a person is known as the one who is Sitadhi Muni Ruchyate. So that's how we find Krishna has started enunciating the characteristics of a person established in his wisdom. So that was the 56th. It was in general he described. Now that how does he this sit? How does he move around? How does he just, uh, speak to others? So all those things will be described. So next, that how does he converse with others? What's his conversation? So that will be described in the 57th sloka. So we will take up that sloka. What's that? Yeah, sarvatran anabhisneha tattat prapya shubha shubham na abhinandati na dveshti 
प्रज्ञा प्रतिष्ठिता यह सर्वत्रान अनभिस्नेह दिस वर्ड अनभिस्नेह इज वेरी इंपॉर्टेंट इट नीड्स विथ एक्सप्लेनेशन इन जनरल वी कैन से दट हु हैज एज सच हु इज बियॉन्ड ऑल शॉर्ट्स ऑफ इनफैचुएशन हैज नो अटैचमेंट फॉर एनीथिंग एनीवेयर इज अ जनरल ट्रांसलेशन वॉट दिस टर्म एग्जैक्टली मीन वी विल कम टू इट द वन हु इज हैविंग नो अटैचमेंट to anything anywhere he is a real sanyasi the word sanyasi means samyak nyasa sanyasa nyasa means renunciation samyak means in totality the one who have renounced everything in totality samyak nyasa is sanyasa so a sanyasi alone can be anabhisneha but this again this word sanyasi doesn't mean any particular way of life it speaks of total detachment it can happen it can happen even to a householder he need not have to change the mode of life it is a total mental orientation so here is with this word this anavisneha is very interesting word so first let us have the literal translation the one who has has no attachment for anything anywhere and as a result what happens tat tat prapya shubha shubham as he has no attachment whether anything good happens shubha or ashubha in as per the situations of life sometimes something may be good something may be evil but as he has gone beyond a all the attachments so there is no question of praise or hatred na abhinandati na dveshti and when such a thing happens know it for certain by seeing that external sign there are two things in these two words in sanskrit sasangvedya parasangvedya sasangvedya when i am a, i have realized myself i know what i have realized that cannot be in any way explained to others when just say that when a, a small child who cannot speak it starts crying the mother knows that the child is hungry can the mother feel the hunger no just seeing the child crying the external sign she knows that the child is hungry and when the child is fed it starts playing smiling and playing the mother knows now it is satiated so there are two things parasangvedya is the external sign that the child is crying that crying or when the child is happy playing around all those signs all those signs show that the child is now satiated he stopped crying is playing or Uh, that when he is in hunger he is crying or the child is crying but the real hunger that the mother can never feel that's the thing with the child is feeling that is sasangvedya your own inner feeling so for a one who is a realized soul the inner feeling that is something that belongs to that person i can never relate to that but what are the signs and symptoms parasang that 
which by seeing which I can understand that he has went to that realization. So here, all the things which has been spoken of is parasangvidya. What? By the signs and symptoms, seeing which I can realize that he has the realization within. So these are the signs and symptoms that he never praises anyone. Even when he's flattered, he is, uh, he has all the things favorable for him by, by someone. He's not all praise for him. And when his interest is uh, trampled upon, he never even hates because he has gone beyond all attachment as well as uh, all sorts of uh, this infatuation. So there's a difference between love and infatuation. To, now we will try to understand in Bhagavad Gita, the words are very important. The word anabhisneha is a catch point in this sloka. Now, anabhisneha, anpratya is used to negate. So what it is negating? Abhisneha. Abhisneha means infatuation. Those who have the Sanskrit background or even any of the Indian language background, in most of the Indian languages, you will find the word sneha. It is a derivative from Sanskrit, which means love. Sneha is good. Bhagavan is not saying that you shouldn't have sneha. You should have sneha. But what you should not have is abhisneha. In, throughout the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, these prefixes are very important. If you understand the prefix, the total meaning changes. Sneha is good. Bhagavan is not saying that you shouldn't have sneha, the love the mother has for the child. It's selfless love. That is good. Abhisneha is infatuation. So Bhagavan, instead of saying that asneha, he's saying anabhisneha. Sneha is selfless love. Thinking oneself as the instrument of the divine when you take care of the loved ones without expectations in return. That speaks of sneha. When the mother is loving the child, if she's aware of the fact the child is, that the love which I am showering on the child is not me. God has implanted that love in my heart, in the mother's heart to take care of his creation. It's not only me, it's not my credit. All the mothers are bound to love. What to speak of human, even in the animals. The young one has to be taken care of. What to speak of mother, even a stranger when he sees a small child. A parental love wells up naturally, though they have no blood relation. But what it speaks of, that we are being constituted that way. That whenever we see a small one, the young one who is totally dependent on someone else, that love do wells up. And that love is something which is implanted, which speaks of our altruistic genes. It is something in the, as a divine plan, it is there. So when I, now I become an instrument. Once I'm aware that love is something which is in my heart, I have to act as per it. There's no question of doership. I am not the owner of that love. I don't own that love. 
that he is there implanted by god in my heart so i'm just an instrument through whom god is working by implanting that love in my heart it is he who is working through me so i do what i have to do i take care of the without any expectation in return or without any projection of my will that sometimes we say i expect nothing from the child but just i want that he should be established and then i find i have already actually i have my own wish my desires that thing i am projecting on the loved one and that's how there's a very 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 thin line between sneha and abhisneha abhisneha is infatuation we project our likes dislikes ambitions on the another person and want them to want them to fulfill our expectations and that causes all the suffering that as but my love is there because of my love i am there to nurture a seed if the seed is of a mango tree it will become a mango tree if it is of some other it's an uh, papaya tree it will become papaya so whatever the seed i cannot get a mango plant from a papaya seed so everyone is born as per their past tendencies as per their accumulated samskaras of the past birth the parent is just the channel through which that child came the mother and father has not given is not created that child this child is just came through them it's gods everyone is gods we are just the caretaker we can nourish them and that also nourishing is also not from my own resource the resource is also god the love which is in my heart it is god which has implanted in my heart with that love i nourish and there it ends as per his samskara what he becomes what he, that he shouldn't in any way now disturb me so now you will understand the difference between sneha and abhisneha so why bhagwan instead of saying that you should not have that inordinate love for others see if you would have said said asneha it speaks of a hard hearted person there are few human brutes who have no love for others the psychopath somehow their emotional center doesn't get connected with their perceptual centers it's a clinical condition there are psychopaths who feel no love for anyone these are aberrations in the creation aberrations do happen in default mode in general the love is something which is common but there are few who are heartless is god asking us to become something like that no sneha is good otherwise he would have say asneha he is not saying asneha he is saying anabhisneha abhisneha is bad not sneha so get rid of abhisneha how by not projecting your when when i project my likes and dislikes when i think that i am the one who is loving him or her it is i am who is nourishing him so i expect that whatever my wish is that person should fulfill but should desire my all my that extended desire the parents desires gets extended and projected sometimes on the children and that causes the suffering that's the infatuation 
So where you have to go beyond this abhisne, how is it possible? When we are always aware of the fact that I am just a mere instrument in the hand of the divine. That I as the self, when get, in, when get identified with this psychophysical existence and start operating in this so-called phenomenal existence, I am as if a instrument in the hand of the divine. He is working through me by, for, for the sustenance of his own creation. He's working through me. So that's the pragya, that's the knowledge in which when one is established, he goes beyond abhisneha. And when that happens, he is no more bothered about shubha or shubha. What is the outcome of all the way I am nourishing? I am trying to upbring my children or someone who is dependent on me. And whatever may be the outcome, it may be good, it may be ashubha. I am not all praise or nor I don't, neither I hate, na abhinandati, na dveshti. So, tatyat prapya shubha shubham, na abhinandati, na dveshti. What it says, the results of anabhisneha. If you are not infatuated, then what happens? You will never censor someone because he has not met your expectation. That is Ashubha. And you are not going to just be all praise for the person who has met your just expectation. Why? That when Because of Abhisneha, whenever the loved one does something as per our expectation, what happens? We praise them. And all the weaknesses get, why, how it, why we praise them? It's not that he's all good. We all have the good elements as well as the negative elements in our personality. When we get infatuated by others, when the two young one meets the boy and the girl, and we find that they've fallen in love. When they've fallen in love, you will find both feel the other to be the projection of their own ideal. That uh, what that my beloved should be such and such person. When they fall in love, they feel, yeah, he meets all those expectations that I have. What happens? That we all have just the way we, in our eyes, there are the blind spots. Our mind also has blind spots. When we are infatuated, that all the negative things for that, the blind spot is there. They all get shadowed. Only the flowery, the things and the good things that only shines, not only shines spots, they becomes exaggerated. And we feel as if my ideal is being, as being reflected there. So what is happening? That when you are full of happiness because you find everything is favorable, actually the negative signs are getting shadowed. All the weaknesses are getting shadowed. Only the positive traits are becoming noticeable, exaggerated. So that's why we are all praised for them. Abhinandana comes because of that type of infatuation. And when the loved one does not fulfill the expectation in the process, in our, in our life, we find when I start finding that, that my ideal is being not reflected as such. The negative traits now start coming up, becomes noticeable. 
And then we start intensely hating that person. Dveshti. It's not that he's all bad. He, he, he or she is an admixture of good and evil like any other person. But as when I start hating him, my, my, it is why I start hating him because my desires haven't been fulfilled. The cause of hatred is only that in our life we will find that what I expect from the other person that hasn't been fulfilled. It's actually selfishness. All sorts of hatreds emanates from selfishness. As it has not been fulfilled, now I start hating him. And when I'm hating him, he is just an incarnate of evil, of Satan. Why it happens? Because all the goodness gets shadowed now. Our mind do have blind spots. So now you will understand that one who has gone beyond Visneha, Shubha Ashubha doesn't lead to Abhinandana and or Dvesha. He knows, he takes the person as it is. Your Pragya, then only your Pragya gets Pratishthita. A man of steady wisdom neither praises nor hates. As he is not biased by self-love, he is aware of the fact that each and every life is molded by the circumstances. He takes them as it is. So instead of being judgmental, that all praise and hatred comes from judgment. So instead of being judgmental, he deals with others with compassion. And Sneha speaks of compassion. He deals with compassion. He's not totally indifferent. He deals with compassion, but not with infatuation. Just even we will say that there are situations where hatred is almost inevitable. Just take a very hardcore criminal. It's a serial killer. Is any way we can have compassion for that person? Just let us uh, relate some instance. You will understand that a person who was a hardcore criminal in the jail was interviewed. He was a serial killer. And naturally had to be behind the bars. In the interview, when it was asked that, how come that you have developed this tendency, this criminal tendency? What he told was something very interesting, that he was brought up in some refugee camp because of this, uh, in some war-infected belt. He was growing up. He had to be he had to run away from his own native place and he was a refugee in the refugee camp. He was growing up where all were refugees. They were all from disturbed families. Disturbed society means the families also because either their mother is not there or the father has passed away. It was full of poverty. So that's how this, all the children were growing up. The environment was, the circumstance was not such where they were, where they, they, they could get some favorable circumstances to grow. So the, naturally they were by nature a bit violent. So this boy says that when I went to the school, when I was going to the school on my birthday, my father gave me a watch, presented me a watch. I was so happy, so proud of that watch. With that watch, I went to the school wearing that watch. And my senior, one of the seniors started bullying, told, open the watch, give it to me. So naturally, why should I give? I objected, no, it's my watch. 
He told, give me the watch or I will stab in your wrist. I thought he's just simply, he's bullying. He doesn't mean what he says. But in no, in just in after two, three times insistence, he really took out a dagger from his bag and really stabbed and in the hand. And I was, and that criminal says that I was profusely bleeding. I was scared. I thought I just, I may, I may bleed, be bleed, I may bleed to death. I may, I may die because of bleeding. I was so profusely bleeding. So I ran and ran back to home thinking that my parents will just give some this first aid, emergency first aid and take me to the doctor. The moment I reached my home and related the entire incident to my father, he ran, the father ran inside. I thought that most probably his has gone to bring some first aid for me. Instead, he brought a dagger, a knife for, and took and just put it in my hand. And he told, go back to school and just stab the one who has stabbed you. So this is the environment in which I was growing up. Now just think if I was in his position, can I with full assurance say that I would have been something different? or you would have been something different. So it is the circumstances, which to a great extent determines what we are. Our samskaras gravitate us to a particular circumstance. That is also true. And that again, then, then that circumstance also again adds up to our samskara. This is cyclic. And sometimes we find that we are almost helpless. We have fallen on it. So now, Just think of that hardcore criminal. After knowing the background, can you still have the tremendous hatred or because of that understanding, a compassion is bound to grow to a certain extent. Oh, he's an unfortunate one. He never got a very favorable circumstances to grow up. So instead of hating him, instead of punishing him, I would think of reformation. It is not the question of punishing. Why not try to reform by giving him a better environment? And sometimes we find that our tendencies become so, so deeply rooted that when, even if you give good environment, most probably he may again have the relapse. So he has to be kept beyond the bars. But that can be done with a different orientation, with a compassion. Yes, he's beyond the bars. I'm not for punishing him. The basic needs of life still can be provided to him. But he shouldn't be in touch with the society because he has developed that tremendous violent nature. Because of his past samskara, again, the thing may relapse. So he has to be behind the bars, but we need not punish him. So that's why you will find that this, the question of human rights comes even when you are dealing in the jail, the, even you are dealing with a very hardcore criminal. You just simply cannot go on thrashing him without any reason. Have compassion. Let him be behind the bars because he may be a danger for the society, but still the compassion can be there. I can deal with him with compassion. And that happens when in no way I am projecting my likes and dislikes to the other person and putting the tags, he's good, he's bad. 
this good, bad are all tags. We need not put it on others. Whenever we put these tags, know it for certain, in some way, my own selfishness is being reflected in whenever I'm putting the tags in any other person. So this, this speaks of that whenever this in this life, when I'm established in the self, that is in one way to go to have, uh, to be equipoised, to be established in your wisdom. When I'm interacting with the world, always aware, being aware of the fact that I'm just an instrument in the hands of the divine. Then also, you will find that in your interaction, the expectations are not growing. So the question of says, being all praised for someone who does something favorable to you, or when something unfavorable happens, you just becomes, you just go on totally censoring that person, all those stops. So this speaks of the language, conversation. That Arjuna asks, that's Thitadhi Kim Prabhasheta, how he speaks. So for a man who is established in his wisdom, he ticks, he just, whenever he's dealing with a person, he's in the present tense. He never brings the past, not the future, that what expectations I have from them, him, or what he has done previously, nothing. That's why they say, Shadhur Rag Jaler Dag. The anger of a real scent is just like a mark on the water. It doesn't stay. You try to put a mark on the water, it's gone, immediately gone. Because he's always in the present. He's dealing with the person as he is. He never goes on putting tag of good and bad because it is a sheer lie when I say, when someone has stolen something and I, the moment I say he's a thief, it is a big, it is an abject lie. It is a full, it is a, it is a speaking something untruth. Why it is untruth? Because no one is a thief. We are all the self. It is the self which in particular circumstances when I am in association with the, my body, mind complex, I have acted in a particular way. But that doesn't define me. I can get rid of it. I can reform myself as, a, as the self. I am always the pure untainted one. There is no taint in it. As for the circumstances, when I'm in the psychophysical existence, this, all these acts happen out of ignorance. And when the ignorance is gone again, I can come out of it. So when I say a thief, a thief, it is a lie. When out of anger, I say my child that you are a stupid, it is a lie. In our scripture, they say, speak the truth, but always the pleasant truth, never the unpleasant truth. That why not the unpleasant truth? Because unpleasant truth is a lie. When you say a child, you are a stupid, it is a lie. He is not a stupid. He is a nice fellow. He has acted in a stupid way. For that what particular moment, he has acted in a very way that is not desirable. So instead of saying you are stupid, I could have told him, you are a nice fellow. I have never expected such a thing from you. You will find the Bhagavad Gita starts with that type of statement. That Krishna is saying, Arjuna, that I never expected this type of behavior from you. So from where this Kutastom Kashmalamidam, 
Samupe Upadesa, this, this, from where this infatuation came on you. You are such a brave person. I never understand that. So let's just see the difference. Instead of just saying that you are coward, you're just, this is what makes a lot of difference. So the man who is established in his wisdom, his way of speaking changes because he is in no way, he has a selfish interest is in no way related to the, the, the happenings of life. If anything favorable happens, he's not pleased. If anything unfavorable happens, he's not disgusted. He takes the thing as it is. He's established in himself. He knows himself always to be the instrument in the hand of the divine. And he's acting here just as per the divine ordains him. And there it ends. So there is no expectation. And as there is no expectation, there is no question of praise or censor, whether it is the situation is favorable or unfavorable. So here we find that Sthitadhikim Prabhasheta, how he speaks, that's being answered by Bhagavan in this sloka. So this sloka, just once more we leave, we read before we proceed to the next sloka. Yeah, Sarvatran Anabhisneha Tat Tat Prapya Shubha Ashubham Shubha Shubham Nabhinandati Nadveshti Tasya Pragya Pradishtita. So, that's again just before going to the Anabhisneha is the word, is the catch point here. That Bhagavan is not snehing, not saying that you shouldn't have sneha. Compassion is good. That is something which is implanted by the divine in our heart. Selfless love is good. Compassion is good. But what he's asking, you shouldn't have abhisneha. Un is in the sense of negation. Abhisneha is infatuation. When I project my likes and dislikes to the other person, thinking it to be love, it's not love. It's infatuation. So you shouldn't have that abhisneha. When you go beyond that abhisneha, and that is only possible when you are established in yourself, then only it's possible. When, especially when you are aware of the fact that you are just the instrument in the hands of the divine. Why we are instrument? As again, we say that the genes itself is altruistic. This word we should always remember that the love with which we relate to the world, compassion, is something which, for which I am not the doer. When I feel like giving a pence to the poor person and immediately I feel a pride is just welling up within me. Oh, see how compassionate I am. The other persons are just passing away. It is I who give that pence. That it speaks of the ego. Just really if you think that the love which emanated from your heart, which made you really give something to that poor person. Can you say that there's the love something which you have cultured? It was there in our heart. Without that, the creation will never be sustained. The mother has that love implanted in the heart. The father has that love implanted in that heart. Whenever we see any child who is not biologically related with us, we feel a parental love. That love is implanted. Our genes are altruistic. That speaks of the programming of the divine with which we have been born. He has programmed that love. So be an instrument. Don't just be have a feeling of the doer, that, that love is mine, it's not yours. You are just the instrument in the hand of the divine. Through that love, it is the divine who is working to sustain his creation. You are just the instrument. So from that 
no expectation will come and as the expectation doesn't come so there is no question of censoring or praising so that's the basic idea behind this sloka and when there is no question of praise or censoring your language also changes you relate to the person always in the present tense you don't bring the past and you never relate as per your expectations in the future just deal with him as he is in the present sadhur rag jolitdag even there was some situation for which you lost your temper in the past that need not be the mood operandi that always now as such a thing happened i have to behave with him always with that anger with that disbelief it has happened that's past everyone is uh, evolving so he is evolving when i relate to him at the present just take him as he is and deal with it so there is no question of praising or blaming just take him as he is and relate to the world and that's what sthita pragya constantly does so his language is never is full of allegories nor he is full of hatred he deals with the world in a very equipoise manner so uh, that's what how he speaks so next in the next six verses the lord will speak how he sits sits means that when he is residing in a place that what's the what are the traits which finds expression through his life that when he has came down from the samadhi but at the same time he is he is not emerged in samadhi but he is not doing anything as such he is not interacting with the world he is just relaxing you see just sitting in the default mode that in our default mode what happens we find that when i am busy with my work i think if i could have got some free time i would have just sat down and most probably meditated or relaxed and then i find that my mind won't allow me and then i find the biggest enemy is my mind that so many thoughts come desires come and it won't allow me to just remain seated so for a man of realization he may be in, uh, in deep samadhi as sri ramakrishna used to say that in while you are singing you cannot stay in ni for long ni means very high tune high pitch while singing we may go to the high pitch now and then but we have to come down that he used to say nite bishikhon thaka jayena you have to come down so when he comes down when he is not in samadhi and he is as such not in any way interacting with the world he is just with his himself what's the traits which finds which finds expression through his life so in the next six verses that's what bhagwan will be describing so the 58th sloka let us just start uh, and uh, we'll go to the discussion gradually yada sangharate chayam kurmongani vasarvashah indriyani indriyarthebhya stasya pragya pratishthita so when you will find that it's the example of kurma kurma is tortoise kurmongani vasarvashah when you try to heat a tortoise so it will immediately withdraw its sense it will go inside the shell so whenever it finds it is in danger immediately it withdraws itself for us the, the entire world the sensory world is out there when the objects of senses are out there our reflex even we don't have to decide we find that our senses are moving out just 
when the child is moving around uh, you need not have to give in the hand of the child a chocolate keep in its vicinity some chocolate the moment it sees it it will be going towards it so but for a man of realization the reflex changes instead of being drawn towards it he may if you will find he is being being repelled just the way the tortoise withdraws its limbs within its shell similarly a man of this realization one who is established in his own pragya in his own wisdom he withdraws his senses from their objects just as a tortoise withdraws its limbs into itself into its shell yada sangharate cha ayam kurma anga angani va sarvasa this all the limbs of kurma of the tortoise is withdrawn similarly indriyani indriyarthebhya seeing the objects of the senses the indriyas the senses instead of going towards them is withdrawn when you see such a thing happening know it for certain that such a person is established in wisdom so today uh, we won't discuss it we won't get time for discussing it in totality just that in that incident in the life of ramakrishna uh, which narendranath is relating is very important here that ramakrishna during his sadhana during his spiritual practice he discarded the all sorts of metals like because coins you know that all the coins are made of metal dhatu or metals so he took a resolution i won't touch any metals because it speaks of kanchan it speaks of currency it speaks of wealth so he used to take food in this plantain leaf in some earthen pots he will have drink water so he used no metals he discarded and it this practice changed his total stimuli response conditioning this is his this fear for wealth that it is something which may bind me it was so ingrained it became a nervous association it became an association with his nerves that's why swami vivekananda used to say education is the nervous association of ideas that an idea should enter into our nerves it should change our stimuli response conditioning and that's what we find in ramakrishna he used to so later much later he used to say that i cannot touch metals if i touch metal immediately my limbs get repelled not only that i feel terrible pain narendranath as a young swami vivekananda thought that it's an exaggeration that he has renounced wealth but touching metal gives a pain like a like a scorpion has bitten him how can it be it's not true so to test to test ramakrishna what naren did when ramakrishna was not in his room he kept a coin below the mattress now the mattress is not a thick mattress that also we should have to say in india it's as a tropical climate you generally have very thin mattresses in the in in hot sultry weather this thick mattress Uh, uh it 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 can be very uncomfortable so it's a very thin so very thin mattresses are used so on under such mattress he kept the coin and he was just waiting outside he was hiding himself and waiting outside noticing that when ramakrishna comes in and sits on the bed 
what happens so after some time when ramakrishna returned and came and sat on the bed immediately jumped up and he called his nephew ramlal that please come and just uh, shake off the mattress just see whether anything is there and the coin was found and ramakrishna then found that narain actually is actually hiding and observing what's happening instead of getting angry ramakrishna was very glad with narain he told that's how you should recognize a sadhu a monk a real sadhu how sadhu ke dine dekhbi raate dekhbi see him in the daytime see him at night tobe sadhu ke sadhu bole chinbi then only recognize a sadhu as a sadhu because spirituality cannot be a part time affair it has to be 24 by 7 if my life has overhauled it has to find expression throughout my days so he was happy and narin was extremely he was really surprised he never real means he thought that is an exaggeration now he realized that this man's stimuli response condition has totally changed the thing which through which for the entire world is lured he even even when he is not consciously doing anything his it has become his reflex even unconsciously his body will be repelled from that so now you will understand that's why we say the lives of this spiritually illumined souls the avatars the incarnations is the best commentary of the scriptures otherwise the scriptures sometimes we don't understand we sometimes but it is poetic it is just a poetic use it doesn't it is not a factual it is just poetic it's not poetic it's factual the lives show how factual it was it do happen the total reflex can change by the practice of pratyahara we can totally change our reflex just the way you develop your muscles you can develop your will power the same way so we will take up that's we need not go to the discussion still further we we'll let us keep this discussion again for the next class that how it happens how our reflex changes how that we can develop that tremendous will power which is very important in this present world this delay of the gratification is the factor which speaks of real integration of life it's not just your iq the one who has the more capacity to delay their gratification how it helps that i am not lured by my short term games i have the long term games in my mind i am not myopic the gratification speaks of just being lured by the short term gains at the cost of long term games i am quite wise to see the long term games and not get lured by it so i am not after this immediate gratifications so this actually has implication even in our day to day life not only spiritual life and it is possible there is a practice by which we can develop the will power so that we are not get lured by them so that's why we told that when we were speaking of this sthita pragya lakshana it's not only the lakshan it's not only the characteristics of a realized soul it also speaks our sadhana that what are the practices the when we try to imitate the life of a realized soul his life is spontaneous whatever he does is perfect he does it spontaneously his as sri ramakrishna used to say his step never falls out of rhythm he is an adept dancer 
whenever even unconsciously he puts this step it is always in rhythm but when i try to imitate him that becomes sadhana for me the what a realized soul does spontaneously that when i try to imitate that becomes sadhana so here all these lakshanas are not just to indicate a man of realization it actually indicates our sadhana so what's the sadhana here that how to develop the will power so that we can also develop that capacity that instead of being lured by the things which speaks of short term gains and not the long term gains we are lured by the short term gains at the cost of long term gains so what is the way i can overcome that so there is a sadhana behind it how that and that speaks of the development of the will power we will take up again in the next class our discussion will continue from here thank you all namaskars